0: Hey Andrew. Hey Greg. Hey, did you see Avengers Infinity War this weekend? Nah, I'm probably going to wait till it comes out in Redbox. Yeah, me too. So what else is on your mind? Oh, you know, just thinking about <sighs> No, of course we saw this movie. What are we we're trying to do jokes? No we're jokes. No jokes here. We saw this we saw this movie. We did see this movie, which is currently on track for having for beating Star Wars and having the biggest opening weekend in history. So that means that you listening, you saw this movie too. <laughs> More than likely. Also because you pressed play on a episode that said like Avengers Infinity War reactions, I think you probably care. So obviously, uh spoilers. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, I think so. And this is one where I think it really matters.
0: Yes, it it really does. Um I think this movie is going to be surprising for a lot of folks. So, yeah, if you have not seen the movie yet, go see the movie. I guess that's the easy thing here is we we probably both recommend that people see this movie, right? Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, whether unless you like don't like superheroes, then I would Yeah, and I can't imagine anybody who's
0: listening to our podcast um is not already in the set of people who would be interested in this movie. The only thing that I would the only type of person I would not recommend this movie for um and again, I don't think they're listening to this podcast, but if you haven't, if you're not caught up on the Avengers movies, um, this movie is going to be a rough ride because it really does not give, it assumes you have seen everything else. So I would say if, you know, you really want to have seen at least the most recent five or six, you can probably skip the Ant-Man's, but um, yeah, you need to have seen Thor, the latest Thor, and uh, Ultron and uh, Infinity War and probably Black Panther at the very least to have any sense of what's going on here
1: yeah and you definitely also want to be familiar with like who the hell the Guardians of the Galaxy are yes if for some reason movie... you like watch the Avengers but not Guardians of the Galaxy for some reason
0: because <laughs> this movie spares no time at all in giving you a last time on the Avengers kind of breakdown it really just assumes you are caught up and ready to roll so that's the only caveat in the recommendation but again if you haven't seen this movie yet, please don't listen to this podcast until you have seen this movie. Right.
1: So, uh, where the hell do we start, man?
0: Well, I mean, we got the recommendation piece out of the way. <laughs>
1: um, I guess we're good.
0: All right. See you guys next yeah. week. <laughs> um, well, what did you think? I mean, what's your, what's your kind of, what's your gut on this? So obviously this has been something that we've known for a
1: number of years. This was coming. We've been having, there's been a breadcrumb of you know little little tidbits in the movies usually post-credit scenes that we know something's coming we know these things called infinity stones slash gems uh, i guess just stones in these movies uh we know that they're something of import, and we knew from the announcements the movie's coming out there was going to be a two-part movie uh that's sort of changed but not really and the whole time i was thinking this is everything i want in the world and but i was very nervous I didn't voice this concern very often because, like, you know, Marvel has such a good track record. Because at worst, the movies that they brought out have been just okay. And, but I knew that this was, this is something unprecedented, right? Like, there's so much that could be botched with this movie, so many ways it could go wrong. Because it's really, I mean, you're talking about, like I said, you probably don't have to have a familiarity with every single Marvel movie to make this, for this movie to make sense, but it really does rely on the fact that. Yeah, we're thinking people have seen at least 15 of these movies and care enough that we don't have to spend any time on anything and also pay off on things we've been building towards it, even if they were just subtle characterizations for a while that I think has never really been attempted before. So I was going in thinking, even if they make this a passable movie, it'll be a success because just it's just so, the, the size of the, the scope, everything was just so big. Never seen anything like it.
0: Yeah, I think that's for sure. The just the amount of kind of established characters that, you know, almost everyone on the screen has had their own movie at some point um, is pretty revolutionary, I guess. Well, revolutionary implies that there's this is going to be the way things are done from now on. Um, But it really does take some chances just in the way that it is made in that. The way that it ignores any attempts at exposition, the way that I, it doesn't really follow a traditional arc either. And it relies on what you think and know about these characters and this type of movie very, very much. Like it, um, it tries to pay off on having built up a bunch of expectations, um, and an established formula and all of those things. Um, And in a way, subverts some of those things, and is very, very risky. I think from a filmmaking perspective, in that way, like you say, they take a lot of chances. Like, there's a lot of ways that this thing could have not worked at all. Right. And I think that it's weird. It's this weird paradox because it's
1: like, in some ways, the safest movie ever, because it, these more movies are just making more and more money every single time they come out. So obviously, the next one's going to make even more money and be successful. But at the same time, from a from like you know, operational perspective, from a filmmaking perspective, it's very it's very risky. so no.
0: And not just from a filmmaking perspective, um, but also from a... Because we know that these movies, th- this is more than just a series of movies. This is a licensing and merchandising empire. And at the end of this movie, they killed half of their characters. And is, you know, our kids still going to be interested in Black Panther figures in this interim between now and whenever we bring these characters back to life, right? Yeah. Like, that was a hugely risky move in, you know, in this world of, you know, these characters have to sell toys and T-shirts and lunchboxes and backpacks and stickers and candy and all of this other stuff. And now, you know, a lot of these characters, you can't really put their face on crap for the next year, year and a half, two years, I don't know. Or can you? It's weird. So very, very risky. It is weird. And I think that, I think
1: that the, the risk there is particularly interesting because I don't know, it's just, it's really, I was reading about how, and like, I feel a little torn about it. Cause I, you know, these, I forget that these movies aren't just made for, you know, 20 and 30 something nerds. Uh, <laughs> cause I hear these things about, you know, like kids leaving the theater crying and like, I read a interesting, you know, comment on something somewhere from a, a dad saying like, I went to see the movie first without my kids. I knew it was gonna be dark. And I, I don't think I'm going to take them to, I'm not going to let them see it until The next one comes out because I can't have them living in a world where their heroes are dead for a year. And it's like, oh man, that's heavy. (laughs) Yeah. Especially the heroes that they chose to
0: kill. Yeah. Well, I... I want to talk about that, but I want to get to that later because I want to know so far we've talked about a lot of things of like, oh, it's the first time they've done anything like this and we've talked about this all this kind of like context and industry and you know, first time they're doing this. I want to know did what did you think of this movie like just as a as a as a butt in a seat as a viewer, how did this right. work for you? So, as me as
1: Andrew beloved Marvel Studios fanboy at this point, unabashed. Uh, I loved it. I can't say that there was really anything major that I didn't like about it as me. I could see how, you know, I was trawling some reviews today and stuff, and I could see how a movie reviewer who works, who works for, like, the Washington Post or something is kind of just like, what the hell? Like, <laughs> what is this comic book-ass nonsense? This is not a well-made movie. It doesn't follow these standard conventions we have. And all this stuff, it's just a collection of scenes and action scenes and one-liners. I could see all that. But for me, I loved it. It is everything. It was more than I was expecting because of a number of things. But uh, it really accomplished something that was more than I thought it was going to accomplish without having, for me at least, any huge stumbling blocks. Minor quibbles. But yeah. about you, Greg?
0: So I actually, when I left the theater, I was... And this is unusual for me because usually, what happens is I go to a movie, I really, really enjoy it, walking out of the theater, and then I later on I think about it and I'm like, eh, you know what? I think that was just the afterglow of an exciting, you know, uplifting ending and all that, or or just a, a you know, seeing a bunch of cool stuff right at the end of the movie, and then you walk out and you're like, wow, that was great. Um, but the opposite happened with with me on this movie. is I walked out of the theater, and I was like, that was not a good movie. And the more I thought about it, I'm coming around more. Um, but when I walked out, I was just like, now I, I, I will acknowledge that there are a lot of things that this movie did very, very well. The standout for me, just from a technical perspective, was Thanos. Like, he looked real in a lot of the scenes. Like, especially the scenes at the end where they're kind of fighting in the jungle and the, he's just kind of got that very natural lighting on him. Like, that just looked like a, like a real person in a scene um and not a cartoon and and that's not just a technical statement of boy they really got the motion cap and the cg down but Josh Brolin's performance um as the character in his voice and presumably facial capture um was incredibly compelling um it was i feel like i've had a moment of holy shit look at what they can do like i feel like the last time i felt that way about a cg character to that degree, was the first time you saw Gollum. And you're like, holy shit, they can do some shit now. Um, so, and I was impressed by that, and a lot of the, all of the action scenes were great. All of the humor was great. All of the character moments were great. But as I kind of looked at the whole picture, I was like, what the hell was this movie even about? Like, what was the, what was the story here? Other than, and I understand, it's theoretically the first part of you know, a two part thing, but it still felt a little thin in that regard of like, there wasn't really an arc here. The movie didn't really feel like it had anything to say other than it was like, it wants to show us the things that it needs to show us in order to set the stage for the next movie, which is like the Marvel, the, the, the curse of the Marvel movie writ large, right? Like where it's just, um, a lot of this is just setting up for the next one, which is setting up for the next one, which is setting up for the... And I was just like, I don't know, man. It just, it didn't really coalesce into anything. Um, but then I started thinking about it more as, I think where I was going wrong was I was thinking this was an Avengers movie. And this is not an Avengers movie. This is a Thanos movie. Yeah. And f- when I looked at it from that perspective, I thought, this was actually pretty good. <laughs> Because it's really like the meat of this movie in terms of the character development and the thematic elements is it's about Thanos and it's about sacrifice and predominantly his sacrifices to accomplish his goal. And does he really grow and change throughout the course of this? Not as much as maybe I would like to see, but it's almost like, the Marvel method of give them a solo movie so we can develop the character and put them through some challenges and test them and, you know, use those tests to show who they really are. And what if we did that for our main villain? And that's that's what we got here. And as a Thanos, I mean, origin story isn't exactly right, but let's say origin story for the sake of conversation. This was a pretty good movie.
1: Yeah, and I think that it's important to note what I picked out, I'm glad we kind of picked to the same thing is that it is about his willingness to sacrifice where all the other characters are not willing to sacrifice. And they make, well, ostensibly ob- objectively bad decisions because they aren't willing to sacrifice. Right. Yes. Almost all the stones are acquired because someone wasn't willing to let someone they love die.
0: Right. Yeah. Where and Thanos I, is. <laughs> well, and I wish that, so I feel like they overuse that beat a little bit, and I understand that like that's that's the theme they're going for is you know it sacrifices the theme of this movie and you know like you say Thanos makes a sacrifice and that works everybody else waffles about it and they fail. I just wish that I hadn't. I saw it like four times. Of boy, you know, giving up this stone would or protecting this stone would require great personal cost for me because of my relationship with this character and therefore i don't and i'm like maybe we could have framed it up a little differently a couple different times (laughs) because it just felt and by the end you're like like you feel like when it's like wanda and the vision and also why were they the big payoff like why were they the final test that's not no they didn't earn that um but like it's like wanda come on you see the stakes here this isn't early on where like oh uh, who cares if he gets one more you're like he will literally kill half-life in the universe if he gets this one thing how is this a hard decision for you um but yeah anyway i felt like they they could have framed it a little better but yeah that's the theme that's what they're going for and looking at it that way you're like yeah this works
1: yeah and i, I do have to go back and i agree with you about thanos and brolin's performance i mean a lot of people were upset with like how they changed his appearance a little bit and how his face is a little more human-like than it was and you know in comics or in the earlier kind of easter eggs he was in and i I do agree there's like a a certain level where it's a little goofy but the amount of expression that he was able to you know inject into the character and between the voice acting and the motion capture it was just it really felt like like you said it was a next level of motion capture and CGI character because it really felt like he was there. They weren't acting against a big blob or whatever, which was, which was refreshing.
0: And I mean, I think his performance was the best in the movie. I mean, everybody else felt like, you know, I felt like I was watching a Marvel movie and the acting is it's serviceable, but it's not really, nobody's really making me feel anything. Um, It's the, you know, the actors and actresses, they're not like pulling me out of things. You know, I'm not like, ugh, you know, other than Elizabeth Olsen, I guess just gave up on having an accent in this movie. <laughs> um, which I mean, fine. The one they had was so cartoony and dumb, but, um, it's where, you know, the, the performances, they're not like pulling me out of anything, but they're also not there's no wow moments when you look at like an acting performance with, with a lot of these characters, but there were wow moments with Thanos where I was just like, I'm actually feeling something because of this acting performance. And like, you know, Brolin was the best actor in the movie. I think it was, it was, he was amazing. And really, you know, he's a guy, he does a lot of movies. He's a successful actor and you could really see somebody like him phoning this in. But I, I would argue that he might've worked the hardest of anybody on this, on this shoot. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, the scene surrounding the Soul Stone,
1: uh, you know, that was like, you know, it's cheesy. And like, once you realize what's happening, a little predictable. But it's also like his performance sold that scene for me. Yeah. Into a scene that was a really, really strong scene.
0: And they had a lot of work ahead of them in setting that up because they needed to, by the time the movie got to its midpoint, they needed to really make you believe that Thanos loves Gamora. And these are characters we have not spent a lot of time with and we have seen nothing of their relationship so far other than her talking about how much she hates him and us being foretold what an evil force of nature he is. And they had all of maybe total seven or eight minutes between those two characters to make us believe, you know, how much he cared about her in his weird way by, you know, by the time the big sacrifice came and they did it. And that is that is a tricky needle to thread.
1: Yeah, I mean, the amount of, you know, you're not wrong what you're saying about this movie and, you know, sort of like, once you get over the surface, is there a lot underneath? But the amount of plot this movie covers in a very, like, I didn't really particularly feel rushed now that often. I mean, I I would always, you know me, I always say like, hey, make another half hour and let's stretch it out a little bit more to like add in a little bit more downtime. This movie did feel a little bit like, it felt full, but in like, I just ate a big cheeseburger full not like you know i ate two full cheeseburgers and i'm going to puke kind of way um i thought that you know obviously having some slower moments or whatever could help have the ups and downs feel a little bit different but no one wants to watch i guess not everyone wants to watch a three or four hour Avengers movie like i do but um the amount of plot this movie covers in a very like convincing way is astounding to me i mean first off let's talk about the misdirection of the trailers and how, how so? well all the scenes they show in the movie in the trailers on the posters then it has two stones yeah two stones and so i thought going in this movie that like uh well i think by the end he might have five of them like he might he's going to get vision stone at the end and like get the time stone probably and so the next movie will be about him you know getting like i i thought we got basically what i thought was me one and a half the content of one and a half movies in this single movie. I thought maybe halfway through Avengers four is when we'd see the snap or something similar. And then the latter half of the movie would be like the fallout and then the recovery, but for him to, you know, get all the stones as well as what all the other characters did in this movie, which there are some, you know, moments for them and movement for them, but not feel like too rushed. It was a, a accomplishment for me and, and the way they didn't portray, like didn't Show him with all the stones and all, like they really showed a lot of restraint. It's what's going to get people jazzed up and seeing him on the poster with all six stones on the gauntlet. They didn't do that. They showed two stones on the gauntlet because that's how he starts the movie. But even mm-hmm. in the trailer, like, you know, when he's fighting Captain America, when he's fighting on, you know, Titan, he only has two stones. They, you know, save that CGI and also things like the Hulk. Hulk's not in this movie, basically. Yeah. He's not in Wakanda. They cut that, you know, and I think it's kind of helpful because you don't, it helped me be like, I don't really know what's going to happen, which was, you know, a good thing for this kind of movie. Cause I mean, I know the rough plot details of this sort of general storyline and we know what it's building towards, but I didn't really know when was going to, what was going to happen when and how it was going to go down. And that felt good for me. I'm like, oh, okay, here's when the Hulk's going to come out of the Hulk Buster armor, right? Nope. Okay. When is it happening later then? Oh, I guess it doesn't happen at all. Okay.
0: Yeah. What's the deal with the Hulk? Why are they holding
1: that? I know they said that, uh, that Ultron, Ragnarok, Infinity War, and Avengers Four. they're viewing as like a four part Hulk arc for that character. And I assume it's one of two things. I assume that you know, since the Hulk got the shit kick out of him in the game this movie that like he was partially scared, you know, he's supposed to be like a a, a little kid um scared to come out. I also think that we're gonna see a little bit of a, uh, you know, that synthesis of personality where since Banner, you know, was a strong warrior in his own right, this movie maybe, the Hulk and him will have an agreement in the next movie or something along those lines. I don't know the exact purpose. I think it was an interesting choice. Uh, it was definitely unexpected partially because of choice. just partially because I'm like, well, you got to have the Hulk raging around, but maybe there's gonna be a big payoff in Avengers four is my guess. Well, with yeah. that relationship in those characters, but I don't know for sure.
0: Well, yeah. And it keeps you, it kind of keeps you guessing a little bit of like, okay, well the Hulk's gonna, yeah, the, he, he's going to come out at the very end and be the big, you know, um, that's the cavalry that's going to show up. It's going to be the Hulk when he decides to come up and, you know. But no, they didn't. So it was just weird. But that also seems like the only thing that they're holding, kind of the only big unanswered question coming out of this movie going into the second one is what's the deal with the Hulk? Which is an interesting choice because, like, I, I, we know what, you know, we know how things are set going into this. We know who lived, who died. We know, you know... We don't know how our heroes are going to respond and fix the situation, but like, there's not a lot of mystery between now and then, except for this thing with the Hulk, which is very, you know, and and where's Hawkeye? As if anybody gives a shit, um, is an interesting. Just it's weird. I, I would think they would have left a couple other kind of loose ends of like, oh well, what happened to so and so? And it's when's when's this person going to show up? Are they okay? Um, but they really answered all those questions.
1: Yeah. I think that, I mean, it was interesting reversal because usually Banner's trying to keep the Hulk inside and he's trying Mm -hmm. to do the opposite and it wouldn't happen. I think that's one mystery. I think that, I mean, I'm really excited because I don't know what this next movie looks like. I mean, I have an idea of how it'll end, which I'll get to then, but, or like the rough, you know, the rough ending, but I don't really like everything I expected to have happened in the next movie kind of happened in this movie. Yeah. Um, I don't, and I haven't read everything. I don't actually remember how they get a hold of the gauntlet after he does the snap in the original comic arc, but it does seem like how in the world, I mean, how in the world do they come back from this? I mean, he's off forever. I guess Tony and Nebula will come back from Titan and probably the Guardian spaceship if it's still there, who knows? But then, like, then what? You know, like, what's their what's their plan here? All the, I mean, I guess Cap- Captain Marvel could play a role in figuring oh, this de- shit out, well, but, definitely. Uh, but still, it seems like you don't want it to be like a, I don't know, Gary Suzy's Rage where she comes around and is like, oh, here's the exact way to solve it. Like, we still want to have our heroes collectively get to a solution. I mean, Thor is, I guess, pretty damn powerful at this point, And I have to say, my favorite non-Thanos performance of the movie was definitely Thor. Yeah. I thought that, you know, I had a lot of complaints about Ragnarok and not complaints about Hemsworth because he was playing the part in the movie he's supposed to play, but just the way the movie went of just being so comedic focused. But in this movie, he was still really funny, but he still had that weight that he should have after literally everyone he knows and loves is dead. Yeah, And giving yeah. some context of how old he is helped me a little bit, it's like, ah, this guy's seen a lot of shit. You know, what I mean? he's not like going to be too, uh, too affected by some of these things. But I just felt like it was a little bit too light in Ragnarok and The whole, I mean, I keep, I've asked a lot of people like, oh, you know, who's your favorite, who's your favorite group, right? What was your favorite setting? And everyone's like, you know, I really like the Thor rocket storyline in this movie. And, you know, Peter Dinklage literally playing a giant dwarf.
0: Yeah, that was, (laughs) it was like, okay, all right. I get it. Weird, but okay.
1: Yeah. And like that whole storyline was like really cool. And then obviously when he shows up, I mean, I'm a big Thor fan. So when he shows up in Wakanda, that was, that was just awesome.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that was um and they earned that payoff. Um they, you know. Yeah, I think Hemsworth has figured out he's figured out this character and yeah. he is he has found the right balance of humor and seriousness that it demands and I don't think and I think it's like in the same way that Tony Stark is uniquely Robert Downey Jr's char- like character to own like Hemsworth owns Thor that way now. Like, I don't think anybody else could get it the way that he does. Um, I mean, look, I mean, yeah, Chris Evans does a fine job as Captain America, but you could replace him as Steve Rogers um, and it would be fine. But nobody else, you know, the character Thor at this point is just so clearly drawn and so richly detailed that it just belongs to Hemsworth. He's, He's, you know, it's great.
1: I mean, most of my laugh out, line, laugh out loud moments were lines from him. You know, like, this is my new friend Tree. Like, <laughs> you yeah. like that I love. Um, I do think that, like, you know, obviously we've had rumblings from the actors and, you know, contracts are up and things like that. But I, I do think that out of the original bunch, I mean, we know we're getting a Black Widow movie now, which is cool. But I think Thor may be the one that sticks around as opposed to, we both know, I think Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans are going to be done after this next movie. More or less, yeah. And but I think that Hemsworth might stick around as like, yeah, that's Thor. He's just been around forever. Like this is who he is, and that's okay because he has. I think he's finally before he was a little bit lackluster, but I think now this character has taken on a a little bit of a new life. I think he's down, and he said like, I'm probably down to play some more Thor. (laughs) Yeah, and like, why wouldn't you? Because he's awesome. I mean, I'm sure staying in that amount of shape sucks, but he also sort of is does that anyway. So he's already typecast for that role.
0: Yeah, I um I will say I was a little disappointed that he got his eye back yeah I was just like yeah that was strange like well what was the point of this like just fix oh no we just fixed it now he just wears a contact in one eye like what really was it why couldn't he keep the eye patch like that was that was cool that and again that was like a you know a visual reminder that these movies were starting to have stakes and consequences and they're like nah I don't know it's tough to shoot around or something yeah
1: yeah I think they were just like oh man here's another way to you know put in that put in the running gag about Rocket's obsession with prosthetics, which like was funny, but and the fact that they've committed this joke since Guardians One is is great, but uh, yeah, I, I don't think they needed to do that. I mean, I do I do like that. It just they didn't just they could have taken the real lazy route and just had it been his exact same eye color. Yeah, but at least they did that <laughs> that much. But because I thought it was running like oh that's so lazy. <laughs> but yeah, so what what did you think? I really enjoyed the balance of the groups and the settings. I thought that like visually they were so different that it really helped mix things up and. You know, the different groups was a good mix of, of the heroes. What did you think about that?
0: Um, so essentially, the, the, at some point, the movie splits into kind of three separate stories where you've got uh, Iron Man, Doctor Strange, Spider-Man, and the Guardians fighting Thanos on Titan. Um, and they're just trying to, like, kick his ass. Like, they don't really have a, a goal other than maybe we can stop him here i do want to
1: interject there and say what i loved about that sequence a it's some of the best superhero action sequences of of anything ever but the fact that they built in the mechanic that like oh he has to close his hand to like use the gauntlet yeah that was a fun little way to like because otherwise i was really concerned how are they going to ever make these fights realistic because not realistic but you know i mean have any amount of stakes because he could just annihilate them in a second right but them constantly trying to keep his hand open and like pin him down. It was a really, really, it felt like a comic book or a video game. And that's what it should feel like to me. I don't know.
0: So you've got the Titan group and then you've got Thor and rocket trying to get a new hammer in the most Jack Kirby looking scenes. Um, I really liked just all the technology in there had a very Jack Kirby look and uh, Dinklage's character had a very Jack Kirby vibe with his like, weird metal hands. Um, so you had that segment, and then you had the, you know, the Earthbound Wakanda segment, which is trying to protect the last stone, uh, the stone that Vision has from, from Thanos. Yeah. Um, so those are the three. And yeah, you, yeah, you're right. You had like all the oranges and reds on Titan's, Titan, and then it's gray and blue um, in Thor's line, and then the Wakanda color palette of, you know, kind of tans and greens. Yeah. And they're all very different kind of, you know, you had the big kind of battlefield battle in Wakanda and the um, more person to person comic book team fight on Titan. And then, you know, the kind of feet of strength thing uh with thor's storyline yeah they're very very well defined very different and each one very like cool i want to see what happens next even though you kind of know what's going to happen like still like very interesting to when you flip from one to the other it's not like in a lot of movies where you know you have kind of similar things going on but usually it's like there's an action focused plot line and then you flip over to the one where it's like people in a library trying to figure out how to fight the monster or something like oh the boring one but they were all very exciting and interesting
1: yeah, I never felt like, come on, I want to get back to the other one. Like, all of them, I was like, cool, cool. What's going on here? Cool, yeah. cool. All right, let's, let's, let's check out what's going on here. And, like, you've kind of had Thanos kind of weaving in between all of that. What did you, as a person who has, you know, more familiar with the storyline and, and maybe a place in your heart, what did you think of sort of, you know, the changes to Thanos' motivations, but also, like, the Soul Stone and that kind of whole segment, uh, that whole kind of idea? I mean, it didn't get fleshed out a lot, I guess, but what, what do you think?
0: I mean, Thanos' motivations are, this is better. Yeah. <laughs> he actually has something he wants, rather than just some of this vague idea of like, oh, he worships death. It's like that's just that just doesn't. I don't know. That just seems more comic booky and hokey and abstract. This is like, no, he thinks that he's doing the universe a favor by wiping out half the life. Um, like, okay, cool, crazy, but I can understand it. I can get behind it. Um, there's a certain logic to it, as opposed to uh, his old motivation of like, I kill all these things this sexy skeleton will want to smooch me like no thanks um i was fine with that the soul stone part was a little weird i mean having red skull be involved was a neat surprise but i don't know if it was all that earned <laughs> didn't make a ton of sense um but it was kind of neat um I, I mean in the past the soul, the soul stone was just in adam warlock's head so you couldn't do that <laughs> in terms of where is the soul stone and how does he get it? Um, this was a little weird. And how come, how come the other ones are just kind of out there just being used by people, but this one is guarded by some kind of mystical force was a little strange, but I think it was a fine way to actually have Thanos have to make some sacrifices, which again was the theme we needed um, to tell the story. And um, have it just not be, oh, he's just like an unstoppable killing machine. So that's just how he gets his, gets things is he kills enough people until he can just grab it. So I'm, I was fine with those, with those ideas and those kind of changes because they're, they work better. Yeah, I,
1: I would agree. Uh, you know, it's like, do I need to agree with Dennis's motivations? No, I need to, but I need to believe, I need to believe that he believes that it's the right thing to do. And the performance and the writing really made me feel that like, yeah, he truly thinks this is like. He doesn't like it. He doesn't, I mean, I think he enjoys fighting, but I don't think he enjoys, like, killing people. He's just like, this is what I have to do. And that, like, did come across, like, you know, with the sacrifice and all that. It did provide some humanization, I think, was really needed for Marvel villains. And then she's like, I'm going to make the whole world dark. And it's like, why? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so I... <laughs> I think we'll see more about the soul stone. I hope we do because it really didn't play much of a role in the movie. And they say like, oh, it's one of the most important stones. it plays a special role. And it's like, OK, but like w- we didn't really see it do anything. Right. I like the visual effect of like whenever he's doing powers, like different stones laid up. Like visually, they really brought some cool stuff to it. Also, Thanos really likes bubbles. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I mean, I, I do think that it, some people are like, ah, these fight scenes are so dumb. He would just like, why couldn't he just do this? And it's just like, come on. It's a comic book movie man like a you only can do what you can think of right he's still one person he doesn't become omniscient until he has all of them i guess so he's also like i need to actively think and do this but also b it's like
0: then we want to have a movie <laughs> yeah so i think we saw we saw what each gem does with the exception of uh soul right, right. like power is big purple energy blasts kind of like The disintegrating stuff we saw in Guardians, fine. Time is, so far, a rewind button, just like we saw in Doctor Strange.
1: Or a look-ahead button.
0: Yes, which, let's talk about that in a minute. Um, Yeah. Space is teleporting, fine. Reality, so far they've really only used it as a kind of, like, illusion, like, kind of thing. Um, But no, but then again, he was turning stuff, like, he was turning guns into bubbles and those sorts of things um and he was like phasing through hulk at the end so yeah it it does more stuff than just that sort of thing um it seems temporary though like because when he turned drax into
1: stone and mantis in the ribbons which is actually like pretty much directly from the comic which yeah. is pretty cool um i was like oh they're dead yeah like, me too i was like oh, that's it for them <laughs> um but then like he left and everything kind of went back to normal which is yeah. a really cool scene by the way because like i didn't I didn't expect that.
0: Yeah. It's somehow it's linked to his, like his brain. Like it, you know, it, it's, he has to be there to kind of actively be constructing the reality through the, through the gem. Right. Which is neat. Um, um, so like, yeah, it seems like they're kind of, and that's an interesting thing of how, you know, looking forward like that they are, um, they are building in some limitations to the powers that, um, are going to probably be a little bit how this is all going to play out in the next movie of how they beat him. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're establishing some parameters about how these things work. Like I honestly, I hadn't thought about the, Oh, the reality stuff reverts back to normal once he's, you know, no, no longer paying attention to it. Um, like I hadn't noticed that until you pointed it out, but it's very true. And it's like, interesting. They put that in there, but they didn't draw a lot of attention to it. But, It seems they've worked, they've mapped out what the rules of each stone is now. So that's going to be important later, I think.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, and I think that we'll see some, you know, more what the soul stone does or the role it plays in the next movie for sure. I think especially because like when, wherever he's at in that like kind of pool of water with like baby Gamora, that scene I feel like has something to do with the soul stone and these sort of things. So I guess we'll get some more kind of wacky visiony kind of stuff. Not visiony and the character visiony and the visions kind of way, uh, gets confusing, um. But yeah, so so let's talk about looking in the future and and I'm gonna give my my prediction here of what I think is gonna happen. Probably not a novel idea by any means, but so Doctor Strange is by the way cool stuff. Doctor Strange movie was cool, like him fighting and stuff was pretty awesome. Like when he went full out wackiness,
0: oh, with like like, all the the harpsichords started playing, yeah, with the um. The Vishnu arms. I think it might be Shiva mm-hmm. arms. Uh, that was, I was like, oh my God, this is the Doctor Strange movie I wanted. Um, yeah, sorry. I was talking over you there. <laughs> yeah, no, no.
1: He, uh, uh, just like those scenes and like using the red bands of Sidorak, whatever they, whatever they call it. I don't know. Just like his fight scenes with, I like that sort of sequence of like they all tried to band together to fight Thanos and then they each got a turn trying to take him on. Yeah. And just like the little attention to details and like how, you know, Tony's got this new nano suit, but. As Thanos is smashing it to bits, he's like only has so much left, and like yeah. it's moving around different parts. That is just, it's just really clever things. Where if it was DC, they'd just be punching each other for an hour, you know. <laughs> Honestly, like it's just the, the action is just so much more interesting and unique in different ways. They yeah. play off each other. I just love that. But anyway, so um, for you know, Doctor Strange looks ahead in time and says, "I found the one way in which it works." He's pretty tight mouth about it. Uh, and then we had this sort of awkward scene, which I was first was just like, what the hell is going on where, you know, Tony gets stabbed to which many people in my theater yelled out. No. And kids started to get a little upset. Oh man. Um, and I also thought he was dying because, um, it's going to happen at some point. Right. And, but then when Dr. Strange stops him and gives him the time stone, at first I was like, why is he doing this? Like this is completely out of character. Like they obviously, these guys hate each other. Like, he said he would kill any of them yeah. to protect the Time Stone without a blink of an and eye. he was just handing it to Thanos? And now he's handing it So I was just like, what is going on? So at first I was like, oh, this is poorly written. I'm That's, like, no, no, no. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> you and I had no, a very no, similar no. journey with this, I think.
1: Yeah. And I was like, no, 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 this is, he saw, this is the future he saw that he has to do this, that he's not going to prevent the snap from happening. He's going to, he's playing the long game. He said that at some point. Yeah. And I think what's going to happen is he knows that Tony needs to be alive. Because Tony's gonna be the one who, at some point, gets all gets the gauntlet back together, however they get it, and undoes the snap, but it kills him in the process.
0: Yeah, I think he he saw that their one path to victory somehow involved um, somehow involved uh, Thanos getting the gauntlet uh, or, or completing the gauntlet and and doing the snap. He somehow saw all of this and knows that other versions where you know it, it goes different ways. It's unrecoverable. So he sees the only way that they can, you know, reverse this is for him to get it. Now, um, I think that what I think is very interesting, and I think it kind of foretells the next movie a little bit, is when we look at who lived and who died, the people who lived is the cast of the first Avengers movie. It is Thor, Cap, uh, Widow, Hulk, Iron Man. And I guess Hawkeye. I don't. Can we just stop talking about Haw- Hawkeye and just pretend he was never in any of these movies? Um, but like, it's the original team. All of the new characters right. that have been introduced since then—Black Panther, Spider-Man, Doctor Strange, um, the Guardians, the Guardians—all gone. Except except Rocket. Rocket's the only Guardian who who survived, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and then some side characters like War Machine and Akoya and people like that.
0: Right, right. But of, of like the main, you know, so. What I think that says is, um, I think that there's going to be time travel in the next movie. Of course. Somehow they're going to get the time stone. The good guys are going to get the time stone and use it to go back in time to Avengers one. Because also, and I know that there have been some set reports of like, uh, Chris Evans filming in New York in like his old Avengers one costume. Um, so at some point they're going to have to go back in time and make some change that's going to prevent Thanos from getting the gauntlet at all. Um, and that's how they're going to, that's going to be a part of it. My prediction is that somehow it involves Tony actually dying with the nuke. Um, and, you know, having a timeline where, you know, Tony Stark actually dies when he's carrying the nuke or whatever. Um, and that somehow is the, is the missing factor. Um because, hmm. because they also they brought that back in this movie. They brought back Tony's post-Battle of New York PTSD. They brought that back and mentioned it a couple times in this movie, um, when it kind of seemed like he had mostly worked through that in Iron Man 2 and 3, or maybe just 3, mm-hmm. I, I think is where they were dealing with it, uh, and subsequent movies. So I feel like that this next movie, we're going to go back to the Battle of New York, and either Tony's going to have to relive it, or he's going to have to actively like he's going to die with that nuke or something like that. That's why that's the reason I think that way.
1: Mm, interesting. I didn't know about the set reports. That definitely changes. I do think, I still think that, I mean, I'm going to stick with my prediction of him using the gauntlet and it killing him and possibly destroying the stones or something like that. Um, but because I think they would bring it full circle with like, this is the guy that started it. This is the guy ended it. And then somewhere in there, you know, we'll lose him and at least him and Captain America. Yeah. I think, those are the two slated die now it'll be interesting to see because we had character deaths in the movies that in this movie that weren't just from the snap right and it'll be interesting to see if those are permanent or if it's just the snap the reverse or what'll happen with all of that you know what role does some of the other big cause We've had some pretty big events happen like asgard being destroyed and most of those people being dead from the sounds of it and um you know i thought i i was when loki died i was thinking in you know the ben kenobi quote of you know a thousand. A million fangirls shouted out and screamed and suddenly stopped. Uh, um, but yeah, so I, I really am curious to see because obviously we know we we're trying to usher out these characters one way or another, and a reality warping event would be a hell of an easy way to do it. But we also they also we also know they aren't throwing out the entire thing because we have a bunch of new characters that are very popular and getting more movies and these sort of things. So um, I'm really just not. I'm just not sure. I'm I'm pretty committed to my. Tony Stark using the gauntlet,
0: though. Yeah, I mean, if 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 these if this movie and the next movie are really two halves of a whole, it's going to be about sacrifice, right? And mm-hmm. that means we're going to see our main characters really have to make some sacrifices. Because um, so far, the only people who have made any sacrifices in these movies are, uh, or in this movie, were you know all the side characters that we don't care about. Well, no, well, some right. of them we do. Um, like I, I really. I was because because you know because for me like I was really starting to like the newer generation of Avengers like I was you know I feel like they're finding their footing with Doctor Strange Benedict Cumberbatch is finding his footing as Doctor Strange Tom Holland's Spider Man is a national treasure um, yeah I was getting a little t- yeah, honestly in this movie I was feeling a little bit of like the Guardians of the Galaxy I was feeling like a little bit a little bit over their shtick but still I like their movies. Um, and maybe it's just that they work better in their own context. Um, but I was really liking it and and, like, I love the black Panther and it was so great. And then like, I'm like, no, 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 don't kill. Don't you, uh, you can't kill black Panther. (laughs) He's becoming, he's become a fucking icon of our culture. And now it just like disappears in in the dust. But I was really kind of enjoying these newer characters and now we're kind of stuck with the old guys again. But, but I want to, by the way, um, I did really appreciate, even though, like I said, I was the, the Guardian's shtick was feeling a little strained at this point, but like Chris Pratt's scenes on Titan where they really painted a picture of him being a very different kind of person than the other kind of Avengers heroes were really well done. Where he's like swearing at Thanos and like getting really pissed off and everybody else is like, no, we've got to work together and do the, t- the, the team thing. And he's like, bullshit, I hate this guy. <laughs> And I was like, wow, it's like, actually, um, there is kind of a culture clash between like where, you know, Star-Lord seemed a lot more human than these other kind of, you know, oh, I'm a hero and I'm an Avenger and all that kind of stuff that you were seeing with the other characters.
1: Yeah, it was interesting. I think that, I mean, that was, that was actually one area where I, the movie felt, felt flattest for me. One particular line, it was before this when they're on, they're nowhere, I guess. And, um when she says like when thanos is taking her uh or some sometime in that conflict and she says i love you more than anything i was just like mm, are we yeah. there yet like i know your romance is like blossoming but like even just say i love you would have been fine but just like i love you more it was, just, like, it was just very intense thing like when gamora say that like it just seems yeah. very like almost unearned like i think that the where we were up to that point at the romance like them kissing and stuff was like okay i feel like this is a natural progression we're making progress like we knew this was coming, this is okay. But then it's like, we seem like we, we cut very far forward a little bit in that, which I you know they're trying to get some payoff on that. Yeah, but that felt um, a
0: little bit, that felt a little bit unearned, like you say. And I feel like, because I feel like at the end of each Guardians movie, they're like, they're a little bit on again, off again. And yeah, you're right. That felt a little bad for me. And I feel like they could have just eased it back. Like, he would be pissed that Gamora was dead, whether or not it seemed like they were ready to get married or not, you know, like, we were, we were okay, uh, with them. Also, speaking of unearned romances and lines falling flat, vision and scarlet witch. Oh, God. That, that, that was miserable for me. Um, especially they're like little last lines where he says like, you can never hurt me. I only feel you. I'm like, Oh, this is the just the grossest ew, 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 ew. ew. That just, uh, it seemed like the first draft line from something someone wrote in high school. It was just so bad and so unearned for those characters. Like, we've been... I I didn't like those lines, but I like them No, I like them in general. And like, uh, oh, I wouldn't mind seeing a movie of these two. But, like, I felt like they were way too much, like, in love at this point in the movie for me to really feel natural about it. And Mm. also... I had not spent nearly enough time with those characters and uh, to really give a shit about them and for them to have that be the final big payoff. Like it just didn't, that was not a good call for me. Like these guys really, maybe I
1: felt, maybe I felt more into it just because I had like the only movie I rewatched going into this just because it was the most, I wanted to watch Thor Ragnarok again because, you know, I have only seen it once, but out of convenience, I only ended up watching civil war because it's on Netflix and you know their interactions are not a big part of the movie, but like that is where they are shown most recently and most um just like the the most in general so i maybe i felt more like in tune to it at that point that i felt like yeah okay it's been a you know couple years i could see this being where they're at at this point and i'm okay with it i do think the Alaska lines were a little weird but um i do i did like there was a little it was still was very heartbreaking for me because like She finally comes to the decision to kill him. She kills him, then watches him come back to life, then Thanos kills him, and then she dies. (laughs) It's just like, okay, (laughs) that sucks. She had a bad day. Yeah, I just feel Um, like,
0: you know, I mean, I just feel bad for Scarlett Johansson. She's been in so many of these movies, and she really deserves a chance to have, like, a good emotional scene. (laughs) And they gave it to these two. (laughs) Like, I, I, I know that they have a plot connection to the stone itself and a comic book connection of, you know, there being a Scarlet Witch vision romance canonically, but it's almost like the Bucky Barnes stuff where I'm like, this guy's been in 10 minutes of all of these movies. Why is he getting so much attention?
1: Yeah. I do hope that we get more. I'm hoping that the reason we didn't get more Bruce and Scarlet Witch time in this movie, or sorry, Black Widow time in this movie, uh, is because hopefully since they're, I thought all besides, besides Iron Man, I thought that Almost all of the original Avengers kind of took a back seat in this movie, which is fine. Um, like you said, there's a lot of cool people now, but I hope that that's just because they're going to have more of a role in the next movie because they're the main characters and we'll see some more development there. I will say that I, I did feel once again, maybe because I was coming off of Captain America and having recently watched Black Panther, but I just felt like I didn't get, I know they had a lot to do in this movie and I'm not going to begrudge the balance because how they, they did as good a job as they probably could have with giving every character some moments, but not having any characters ever way or other ones, this kind of stuff. But I felt like Captain America and black Panther are both a little bit like on the back mm-hmm. burner in this movie. And I was like, I want a little bit more just because like, I feel like their leadership in this sort of thing would be just the exact situation where they should shine a little bit more. Um, but I also felt like they just sort of didn't know what to do agree. with them. I think because <laughs> they're not as flashy and fun and crazy. I think but... black
0: Panther gave them a setting for their big showdown, but he didn't contribute anything to the actual, other than, you know, anything to the actual movement of the plot. Um And same thing with Captain America. Like, he shows up to rescue Scarlet Witch. Like, that's it? Really? Um He didn't really have much to do, which is, I don't know, maybe a little disappointing, but, and then the truth is that nobody really had an impact on the plot because that's kind of the point, was because Thanos yeah. was you know, for once the heroes were as impactful on the plot as the villains in other movies where it's just like, no, this is moving forward and all you can do is maybe delay it. Um, I get that, but yeah, he didn't really seem to have other than just being like kind of an intermediary of like, yeah, I can help you track down the Scarlet Witch. And then, oh, I know a place with advanced technology. (laughs) Like that's really all he really did it wasn't anything about his ability to lead or inspire or like come up with battlefield tactics or anything like that it was just like he knows guys who know guys that was that was his contribution to to things and black panther like yeah hey i've got some technology and then yeah i guess we could have the fight at my place I i would have liked to have seen more from more from him um but here we are yeah, especially knowing like the
1: sort of like political setting of Black Panther. They did such a good job of like fleshing that out. Just being like, yeah, we're going to sacrifice a bunch of our people to like protect this weird right. Android thing. Like that no one else cares about. It's kind of like, mm, yeah, I don't know. If that, But I think that is like what I mean, it doesn't make sense in this context. But like I said, like one of the themes of this movie is the stupid things we do because we care about people in an irrational way. Right. Like they said, like maybe they hit on too hard, you know, at points. But, you know more giving up the location of the soul stone to save nebula so i'm like who cares like, <laughs> <laughs> um and then like you know uh loki giving up the tesseract for the to- the space stone for thor and these sort of things and like i'm not killing vision right away and but also like we're gonna try and protect this one guy but in the process like a bunch of my people are gonna die like literally get shredded by these giant roly blades of death and that's like worth it after all like the i mean i guess at this point he's just solidified his power and what he says goes but it just seemed a little bit strange uh maybe we'll get more about that but i do think that you know that being said i think that hopefully we'll see more of cap shine in his last movie here as sort of the person that maybe can re-rally the troops and you know be that leader they need to figure out how the hell they're going to get out of this one um also let's take a second to talk Mm -hmm. about the deaths so um not to go through individually or whatever all i will say that the once again tom holland god just it's just spider-man he's just that's who he is and the scene where you know he's like i don't want to go mr that was that was was rough that was pretty brutal yeah um but anyway i see a lot of people complaining you know around the internet whatever oh like so dumb it doesn't mean anything because they're all just gonna come back anyway and (sighs) this is something i've been thinking a lot about lately and it's all george r R. martin's (laughs) fault it's not all george r R. martin's fault but it is partially his fault but also just sort of like a number of things that came in the early 2000s that sort of set this thing in our mind that the only shocking stories or stories of worth can be where characters of value die and stay dead this weird i don't know it's this weird thing that like that doesn't that's not the only way you can have stakes and drama and have the world affected that's not how it works in our lives things affects our lives all the time that aren't as radical as someone important in our life dies right so i think that i get why people latch onto that as like oh well, nothing ever changed nothing matters. And i do think that as we talked about in our very first episode like not having long-term stakes for comic book universes is bad but the fact that sometimes people die and come back in any medium whether it's comic book fantasy whatever as Later on, George R. R. Martin, you know, so it's plot for like, oh, his characters die and they stay dead. It's like, mm, it's not really anymore. Uh so most of them are coming back to life, yeah. it seems.
0: Well, I think that part of it is that you permadeath is easy stakes. Uh it's it's kind of blunt, it's a blunt instrument, right? Like it's easy to have a character everybody cares about, and then we kill them, and that's gonna make make people sad. Whereas it requires a defter touch if the long-term stakes are like character relationships, like If when the stakes of the movie are not, Oh, Captain America and Iron Man are going to kill each other. But like, Oh, these guys are never going to be friends again. Like in order for me to care about them, never being friends again, you have to work really hard with writing and directing and acting to make me really, really care about that relationship. It's easier to really make me care about whether or not a person dies. Right. Rather than like who their friends are. So it's harder to do. Um, That's fair, I guess. I think my problem is, is like, I probably
1: like an, one of the reasons we talked about, I can't watch horror movies is because I'm just like a really overly empathetic person. So when Mm -hmm. I'm like watching a movie, i get really immersed and get really into it. So even though I like, obviously I know that like all the characters that were killed, at least in the snap are going to come back. I'm immersed in the movie now. And I'm in the shoes of the people who are reacting to these people dying. They don't know they're going to come back, you know, like they don't feel that. So I think sometimes this is what you said, like this idea that, you know, we're always looking at the next movie or the next thing. I don't think that's entirely the movie's fault. I think I'm thinking it's our fault. Like, it's not just like there is a lot of Marvel stuff that builds up to the next one over. But I think that it's partially because we're also looking ahead just as much as they're building it up. And we need to just sit back and take a second to like be in the movie and think that this is the world that they're living in. I'm getting a little bit too deep here, but you know, I just think that like think about what the characters are feeling at the time, not what they're going to feel like at the end of the story because the end of the right. story isn't
0: isn't the only thing that matters they don't know they're in part 1 of a two part thing <laughs> right exactly um, and yeah like i i do feel you know like you know how does tony feel coming out of this having watched you know peter die and um you know all these other people and knowing you know did i do enough to stop it blah 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 like yeah he's a, he's going to be a fundamentally changed person after this Um, and how, how do all the characters recover from this trauma is going to be interesting. Um, and then we have to wonder what are the stakes going into the next movie? Because permadeath might not work if we kill half the population and then bring them back magically and just hit the reset button. Um, then you can't use permadeath again. So some people are going to have to stay dead. Yeah. Um, I think it's pretty obvious just zooming out and knowing like, well, yeah, I mean, it's not Spider-Man's not going to be on that list. Spider-Man's coming back, Black Panthers coming back., um, you know, do we get Bucky Barnes back? Maybe not. does you know, and then some you know, does the Falcon come back? maybe not. Um, so my guess is that is that anyone who dies
1: via the snap will be back. I'm thinking it'll have something to do with the soul gem. Like all of those souls got put into that gem or whatever world it connects to or something and that they can all come back, but it doesn't have a power. They won't be able to Given the context of whatever happens. They won't be able to bring back the people who die along the way. So Maybe. Loki, Heimdall, Gamora, Vision. If pe- whoever dies in the next movie trying to, you know, if Cap dies trying to fight Thanos or whatever, something along those lines, right? I don't know. That's just a guess, but
0: yeah, well, I think, I think if you do, if you do the big rewind, you get everybody back who died in this one period, but everybody who's going through the rewind is up for grabs. Mm -hmm. I think that, um, I mean, I just, I don't see how Tony Stark makes it out of the next movie alive. I really don't.
1: No, I don't think Uh, so. I
0: I think they can make a business decision about whether or not they want to keep Dr. Strange around. I think they can make a business decision about whether or not they want to keep, um, uh, you know, the Hulk. But, um, no, I think I think we definitely are going back in time and trying to right the wrongs. And in the process, we're going to have, it's going to be a back-to-the-future scenario where they go back in time and they fix everything, but when they come back, the future is not the exact same future they left from. Um, you know, the, the present isn't the same present they left from. Things, You know, Marty's parents are more successful. That's not going to be the case in in this, I think. But I think that's what... I think that's their way out of all of this. Um, Yeah, I think you're probably right.
1: Um, Yeah, so I want to do two things. I want to get the final final thoughts, Mm -hmm. unless you have anything else you wanted to add.
0: No, I'm sure we'll be talking about this movie for a while.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm definitely going to go see it again, although uh, now MoviePass has announced that you're not allowed to see the same movie twice. Yeah, fuck that. um, Which is dumb, uh, real dumb. And then new, new subscribers are only able to see four movies a month, which is still... I mean, I've never, I've never seen more than four movies in a yeah, month, I, I,
0: Yeah, that's still, rigorous, but we should save conversations about, uh, how pissed yeah. off we are at movie pass for a different episode.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, I am going to see it again because of random circumstances that I didn't actually use my movie pass for this one. Um, so I will listen again, so hopefully I can get some more thoughts on it and we'll do a part two and part three and part four. And no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but, um, so final thoughts. And then I want to do what we, I just said we shouldn't do is think ahead to next Marvel movies.
0: Okay. Um, my final thoughts are overall, I think a good one, a good, uh, a good in the series and a good movie period. Um, I think if I had to think about it, like it is a qualified recommendation because you really do need to have seen everything else to enjoy this movie, but you could say the same thing about return of the King, right? Like return of the King doesn't work if you haven't seen the first two movies, but it's still a great movie. Um, and I think that, you know, it's the same thing with like TV shows, like, you know, Obviously, I can't recommend season three of Breaking Bad if you haven't seen the first two seasons of Breaking Bad. Um, But yeah, pretty good. A qualified recommendation based on like there's a lot in this. And also it is an incomplete movie. It is a part of a series and it does not conclude it. It it is it is the most incomplete, unfinished Marvel movie that we have seen. So that's a, a knock against it as well. I understand it's it's the first of several parts but it also doesn't bill itself as such. It doesn't say part one. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't, I mean, we know contextually that, yeah, there's probably gonna be more of these and they all continue off of each other. But, um, no, I think they took a lot of risks and they did a lot of really, they did a lot of things. Well, um, I think that this movie is going to be like the dark Knight in that it is a dividing line in superhero movies. Um, there is, there's going to be a BC and an AD kind of situation with this where, um, they have upped the game on everything and not just inside the, like the storytelling within the Marvel universe. Also, how the hell does the new Ant-Man movie work? (laughs) Well, we're going to get there. We're going to get there comes out next month. What the fuck are they doing? Um, uh, so I think, yes, this is, this is a, this is a big one. Um, I do think it's flawed. Um, I think that, uh, it could do a little bit of a better job of framing it as Thanos's movie and Thanos's story. But, I understand they were trying to trick us a little bit.
1: Yeah, I would agree with some of your assessment. I'd say that, like I said, I understand why some people would not like this. This movie is a, is a movie for gluttons and I am a glutton. (laughs) You just want it all and you want it to all be rich. And I really felt like I was, we were, something happened in this world and we were just seeing how it played out, right? Like it just felt so full and like connected and all these things that I really like as we're all well aware of at this point, but. I do think it is a sort of a watershed moment because it is an incomplete movie and it is something that requires both you to watch the previous movies and the next one, which obviously we've seen that in small scale with trilogies and things like that. But this felt like, like you said, an episode of a TV show or to me, what it felt more like was like eh, the sixth book in a seventh book, seven book fantasy (laughs) series. And like, that's sort of where storytelling is going. I was just reading an interesting, um, they're called The Words of Brandon, and it's Brandon Sanders. When he goes on tour, he does like Q&As, and people dictate them and put them in a big database so you can nerd out real hard. And he was talking about – we talked about in our TV episode and sort of this trend in media to be embracing big continuities and big big connected universes and things. And he credited 24 uh, with that idea and how um, just things like – he was said he's, he's – this would be interesting for you – Greg, he said that uh, he was watching the Star Trek Deep Space Nine commentary tracks, or whatever.
0: <laughs> and he yet he's writing like nine books this year. What is this guy's life? Is he, he's big, he's found extra hours in the day? He's got some kind of four dimensional thing where he can like watch fucking commentary tracks on the most boring Star Trek series and still write uh, nine. Oh, I hate this guy. <laughs>
1: well, he said that it's his. It's the best Star Trek series uh, in his eyes. Uh, well, but he's, they basically are saying
0: objectively incorrect.
1: <laughs> well, he was saying that they basically were the creators were saying that they were trying to do big overarching stories and the studio executives were just like, no, no, no. So they kind of like coyly put it in there, you know, but it just said individual adventures and how that's changing. And I think that this is really like a watershed moment in that idea that like, this is the, this is the biggest movie ever now, essentially, maybe not in cultural context, that's probably star Wars, but money wise. And in the current cultural context, like, this is huge. And for it to be an incomplete movie, that's part of something bigger that everyone is going to go see that really does show where we're at culturally for media. And I think, you know, I don't want to get into it now, but like we're going to see only more of this stuff. Sorry,
0: Greg. I don't necessarily think it's wrong. I don't have the problem. I don't have a problem hypothetically with serialized storytelling. Um, I think that the model going into this for modern serialized movies was Star Star Wars, where um, the original, well, really, the, that was the model of like, each movie really tells a kind of a concise story with its own themes and its own arc, but it plays into the larger arc and the larger plot. But there's still a lot of value in the self-contained unit. Whereas this throws that out, where it's like, nope, this is this is just you know, the further adventures of our characters. See you next time. Um, but I also don't think that this, this doesn't necessarily, this isn't a model. Like you can't do a movie like this where it doesn't really even have a beginning and an end. It's just like, Nope, here we go. We're starting. Here it is. Remember these guys. Okay, let's go. Um, and the end is really just like, all right, cool. Now we know they have to solve this problem. Let's see what they do. Um, you can't do that with a lot of the franchises because this has been ten years of build-up to this, and uh, twice as many movies to get us to this point where we can do this, where all these characters and these plot lines are so well established that we need no introduction. Um, it's it not there's not a lot of existing things out there that could follow this model. Maybe James Bond, but you know they have such a loose continuity already. Uh, where they can't just throw you, you know, they could—they can't just throw you into the action of like, up oh, it's James Bond, up? Oh, he's in an exotic location tracking another spy. Cool, we've seen this before. Um, but, yeah, I don't know how you do another movie like this. TV shows do it all the time. Serialized TV shows where, you know, more modern serialized TV shows, like if you come in on season four, like they're not doing you a lot of favors. Like they really expect you to go back and do your homework on the first couple. They're not going to waste a bunch of time. I get it, but yeah, not. It's going to be a long time before we see other movies kind of taking this model because again, it takes ten years of build up to get you to this point.
1: Yeah, and I think, but I wonder if we're going to see any commitments to you know other properties where they try and do this well. Obviously, DC tried and failed uh, under our leadership; they would have succeeded. <laughs> but um, I wonder if you know, like, if we're seeing it in TV and, and increasingly, the lines between TV and movies is becoming blurred because of the amount of money that's just going into it. Um, but I do think it is interesting to see these like movies being used as strictly parts of a serial serialized story. And I wonder, you know, if that'll stick around or if it's just a Marvel flash in the pan sort of thing that we're going to see and only they can do it because they put in the time and effort and have the familiarity. I'm not sure.
0: I mean, I think it's proven as a model that it can work. Um, star Wars might be able to shift itself in this direction. um, which you would love. What do you mean? <laughs> Just more Star Wars, yeah, movies, right? Yeah. I feel like we're about five short of where we need to be. God. <laughs> um I don't I mean, who else could do it and why would they try? It's it's obviously DC, because they have a very similar model, but ugh, can they do it? I don't think so. Um this really seems like a black swan kind of thing where like, this is the perfect combination of circumstances of having the right source material and having the right people in charge to make this thing work the way it did and having a really long string of good luck and, you know, getting the casting right and none of the actors leaving, right? What would have happened? I mean, it's very possible that Chris Evans could have got tired of this halfway through. Where would we be today if that had happened? Or, God forbid, um, you know, uh Robert Downey Jr. dies in a car accident. Where do we go from here? Like, they've had a very long string of good luck in that they can make this thing the way they wanted to make it. And I don't know if you can replicate it. I don't know if you can, because um, it is a long string of, of successes, all of which could have very easily gone a different way, and a long string of... Stuff outside of just, you know, people making good decisions, making these movies again, like you casting problems, you have budgetary problems, you have um, all kinds of things that can go wrong that just didn't go wrong. So I don't know if you can do this. I don't know if anybody else can do this because it's just, you know, it's like um, it's. I yeah, it's like being struck by lightning seven times in a row. Like what are the odds? Like some of it is going to happen cuz right. you were in the right place at the right time and but other times it is just a lot of things just ended up going right for this for this string of events to go the way it went.
1: No, you're definitely right. Um definitely agree with that. Uh so we have this situation now where um there's two things I want to touch on here. Obviously, we've got two movies in between uh this Avengers Infinity War and Avengers 4 whatever it's going be titled. I do wonder uh, as a side note when they're going to release the title of Avengers 4 and also uh, how the marketing for that is going to look because the marketing for this was huge right like all the posters and the colors and all the different characters and it's the whole thing but now it's kind of be like well I'm kind of left on a yeah. somber note I mean you know I wonder how it's going to be marketed right. I'd be curious how I mean it was a different time but and it wasn't quite the end of the movie but I wonder how the marketing looked for Return of the Jedi after Empire Strikes Back but very different. I oh, guess even the title,
0: you know, even the title of return of the Jedi tells you, Oh, this is, this is when the good guys, you know, the good guys, you know, the good guys come back. Do you have any ideas for the title? I don't know, man. Um, um, you know, you feel like it's going to be infinity something. Um, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I,
1: originally, my idea was that it would be infinity gauntlet. Cause I thought that half of this movie is going to be this next movie, but Nope. Uh, but anyway, so we've got Ant-Man and the Wasp coming out in July. Now, they referenced that Ant-Man and Hawkeye took essentially plea bargains to you know be under house arrest someplace else. We know that Hawkeye is in Ant-Man and the Wasp, um, although how much, I don't know. Um, we do also know the Rooster Brothers said that Hawkeye plays a major role in these two Avengers movies. Has an important role to play, <laughs> which so far has not been true. But <laughs> um, there's a lot of deceit. I mean, I'm not now. wrong. He was not even in this one, right? No, he was not even in it. Okay, good. I wasn't like, didn't just miss it. They mentioned him, but, um, so I'm guessing that Amen and the Wasp take place before this movie or it has to, you know, maybe concurrently or something like that. Um, just because otherwise, I mean, it would be once again, a big commitment to have that happen and like, have that be the setting that like shit's fucked. Half the world just do- disappeared and now let's have a goofy caper with Paul Rudd. Right. Yeah. doesn't that to fit the context, but, um, it would be, it would be a commitment different movie could do it uh so i think it will just take place beforehand
0: yeah i think i i wouldn't be surprised if the end of ant-man and the wasp ties in with the end of infinity war
1: yeah i i bet the end of i bet the stinger in ant-man and the wasp is like one of them like disappearing or, or yes. turning to dust something like that uh second thing we have coming out and i think march is captain marvel which the stinger for this as many people guess, set up which i I really, yeah. I really like the Stinger. Do you
0: like the Stinger? Um, yes and no. Um, it was, I mean, it has been the elephant in the room for the last couple of movies. Like, where the fuck is Nick Fury and all this? He what, Does he not have an opinion? Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, him rushing to do the get the pager to, to, like, signal Captain Marvel. Cool. You have to wonder, and I guess they're going to talk about this, like, why today was the day he decided to... Call in Captain Marvel, right? Like, if he's had this pager the entire fucking time, like, why hasn't he used it already? Um, yeah, like, why didn't you call it for all the other extinction level
1: events we're about to yeah. experience? <laughs> um, hopefully, there's an explanation for that. I imagine they'll have something. Yeah,
0: they'll work it out. But um, um, yeah, so you got those two. Captain Marvel clearly setting up because she's going to clearly have a big role in Infinity War two. Uh, so the other
1: thing, thing I want to say is that this is now put the nail in the coffin that of any sort of illusion that the TV shows and the movies are connected that's a good point <laughs> uh, because you know you have I have not watched the Jones season two yet but that came out beforehand we are almost done with probably the last season of event, agents of shield which is also interesting because Clark Gregg who plays agent Coulson you know who's the main character in that show who quote-unquote died in the first Avengers whatever um and that show played very closely to the movies for a while uh he's in captain marvel now that takes place in the past but being as the agents of shield tv show has done a lot with the kree and that captain marvel was going to do a lot with the kree and that phil Coulson never heard of the kree when this happened that's a, already a big problem but the fact that they're not going to all of a sudden this week on agents of shield go eh half the people disappear yeah um, and well, then also Luke Cage comes out in a month and they're not going to have any reference it either so it does I mean we've known this we know why it exists we know it, it there's a lot of logistical things and corporate things and all these kind of things but it does be like you know they have to say it's all connected it's like it's not all connected unless there's some crazy time travel bullshit
0: well there's exactly going to be crazy time travel bullshit because that's how they're going to get past this is they're going to have uh, the team's going to go back in time and basically hit a reset button so that everybody else You know, they hit the reset button and, um, and everybody else just goes on as if this never happened, except for the seven or eight people who are actively involved in it, who are going to know that it happened. Um, and that way you can have the reset for the the rest of the shows, right? Because yeah, sure. Half the cast of Luke Cage died and all of this, but all the episodes we're seeing take place in the corrected timeline.
1: You're probably right.
0: Um, I don't. I don't don't see Marvel abandoning the Netflix and the, um, uh, the Netflix and the you know and the other TV shows anytime soon. Like those are making money. Like they wouldn't just be like, nope, can't have these anymore. No, no, I wasn't implying they were going to do that. I just mean that
1: they're just going to be like, okay, obviously these don't take place in the same universe or something like that. Um, I do think there's something fun to be had there. I think that is an area to explore. Where like it would be kind of interesting to see some of these characters interact. And it maybe just doesn't fit the current, you know, production schedule or style and operational style of like how Hollywood and TV and movies work. But it'd be cool to see, like, what, what do the Defenders do when half the people die? And, you know, like for a couple, an episode or two, right? Like have these things play in a little bit more. But, you know, they're also trying to tell complete strong stories of their own yeah. without having to worry about. So it's sort of like the the pro and con of, you know stuff in comics right like big events happen and the fun the part of the fun is seeing how every character sort of deals with it in their own way or how it affects them in their context but it's also then derails their own individual stories and can sort of detract from those so it's the it's the curse i guess yeah so here we are we did
0: we we made it through uh yeah I'm actually, I'm kind of excited to see where the Marvel universe movies go from here. I really hope that there are lasting consequences from this. I know that they're going to have to do some kind of timeline reset, but either I hope they do the back to the future method where again, they come back to a present that is different or it's a situation where, um, you know, once we hit the reset button, Tom Holland is back on that bus and nothing appears in the sky. Um, but Tony knows what happened. Um, you know, Tony has memories of the timeline where, um, you know, where, uh, you know, Peter Parker died in his arms. Um, and you know, where, uh, the remaining Avengers have to live with each other based on choices they made or, you know, um, you know, that once everything comes back together, like, you know, maybe the people who died have memories of it. And, um, you know, uh, they have to like look at Dr. Strange and be like, yeah, you're part of the reason I died for two weeks, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um,
1: I don't yeah. Know. I mean, I do hope, I do hope as well. I, I'm curious. I'm very curious to see what, you know, if they're going to stick to this idea of the phases, what phase four look like. We already know some of the movies in that, in that phase, but I am curious to see what the new model is going to be. and If they're going to change it up or if they're going to be like, well, this is worked. let's keep doing individual movies and then a group up and then a longer running story. Who knows? I mean, there's a lot and who knows how the, disney fox purchase will affect this as well who knows what changes are making i can imagine that i bet i always just imagine that kevin feige has like a big you know like a big white board that's like the size of my house somewhere and at the center of it it says what the fuck do we do after <laughs> i mean i think that i
0: think how much i would there's a million ideas how much it. i would love it is if avengers 4 did not involve that the way they beat thanos did not involve time travel shenanigans but involved the intervention of reed richards and wolverine like that would be fucking great (laughs) and really cue up a a, a (laughs) cool phase five or phase four i guess but i don't know i think they know what they're doing i think they know that they need to start replacing some of the main actors and um you know kind of you know coming up with a next generation cast but um I think they have a plan, but anyway, so just looking ahead, I just Googled Marvel phase four and what we know of is uh, like you say, we have Ant-Man and um, uh, Captain Marvel happening between now and uh, the next one. Um, And we also know that there is a Spider-Man sequel that has been officially announced. Uh, There is a confirmed black Panther two, um we don't know if there's a doctor Strange to in the in the plan, but we also know that there is locked in a guardians three. So we can glean from that what we what we what we can, but that's they're not showing too much of their hand post Avengers four.
1: No, and they and they said there will be no official announcements for phase four until. Is what they said anyway, Till right. after Avengers except 4. the stuff
0: that's already can, you know, that's already been. In
1: yeah. Except I guess the Spider-Man sequel, which is going to come out July yeah. of that year. Cause that'll be three movies okay. for that year. So that makes sense. Give them a year to market the so, next one. But then I believe, I believe they said that spi- the next Spider-Man takes place like minutes after the end of Avengers four yeah. or something like that. Like it picks up like immediately off of it, which is weird. So
0: that, so Avengers four is
1: next summer, right? Next may. Yeah. A year next from
0: m- now, a year from now. And they're, from what I understand, they're pretty much done with it.
1: Yeah, they filmed both at the same time, more or less. Yeah, I assume to right. reshoots or something,
0: but. Well, I'm actually kind of psyched about it. I'm actually, I'm, I was not psyched for Infinity War, like, you know, the way I was psyched for Last Jedi, but um, I'm psyched for Avengers 4. I'm also psyched, big surprise. I was psyched for
1: Infinity War, uh, but I'm even more psyched for the next one because I really just I had a had an idea of what this would look like and some of it came true. And I really just don't have any idea of what the next one will look like.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think it's a, it is a very big question of what any of this is going to be. And it, it kind of has the same feeling of now. I hope this isn't portentous because my example, I was not happy with the way it unfolded, but what, like when the game of Thrones TV show finally um, outpaced the books and we were in uncharted territory of like i really don't know what they're going to do next i mean i've got some ideas but i really like there's no map right now um that turned out bad (laughs) i'm hoping this doesn't but like yeah like knowing that like man they've got a lot of different directions they can go with this and knowing that it's really uncharted waters after this because i mean honestly we've kind of known the plan for this since like shortly after the first Avengers came out, they like announced all the titles for like the next 12 movies. And, you know, we kind of <laughs> knew the roadmap and you kind of be like, all right, I know the broad strokes of how this is going to be, but like going forward, like, I don't, I have no idea. I don't know what phase four looks like. I don't know what the different movies are. I don't know what characters are going to focus on. So it's kind of cool.
1: It is cool. I'm excited to a new, and exciting and unknown world of Marvel movies. That is so well, cool.
0: All right, guy. Well, um, boy, man, all of a sudden the horizon for like our stuff, like, what are we going to, like, I guess all I have really like, you know, comic book movie wise between now and I guess Captain Marvel is like Venom that I'm interested in. Yeah. I don't, I'm curious about Venom. I'm not psyched about it, but I'm curious. Um, My opinion is still bleh. Yeah, I'm about, I'm only slightly more curious about Venom than I am about uh, Han Solo. Uh, yeah. Um, I was, I'm
1: actually, I don't need to digress here, but I was, you know, I've been a little bit softer and still not excited about it, but like a little softer on solo than you have. But then I read the other day that it's like, he sent on for like four movies. I was like,
0: Oh no, what are we
1: doing? Don't do that. Like, uh,
0: how much of his life happens between the end of this movie and the start of, uh, and the start of a new hope. Also, we have three great Han Solo movies right now. Please do not. We have three great hanzolo movies one where he's a little off let's please <laughs> let's keep that ratio better than 50 50.
1: yeah for sure uh i mean you have aquaman to look forward to come on dude nope i don't <laughs> i am excited for ant-man and the wasp i i i really did enjoy the first ant-man because uh, Paul rudd's just hysterical and um i am curious i mean the, the trailer made it look made it look cool they do some fun it's goofy at it's at yeah. worst so all
0: right all right guy well i guess we will be talking soon about something other than avengers for once yeah
1: i feel like it's you know a weight has been lifted in some ways
0: (laughs) all right buddy well have a good week you too